a cuppa and a good chinwag? The story has real-life stories to inspire and make you smile. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the app. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. There are others who just, oh, I can't believe all the church wants is my money. You know my response. Oh, no, you're wrong. We want a lot more than that. He wants all of you. Hi, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today, we continue his message, Cause and Effect. We're being reminded about investing first in God and His kingdom in order for God to pour out His blessing on us. The point is, your offering to God is not supposed to be an afterthought. It's intentionality. You set it aside, the first top 10% at your first opportunity. This is Today with Jeff Vines and the conclusion of Cause and Effect. God is a God of grace and He really does want to bless His children. Verse 7, ever since the time of your forefathers, you've turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Basically, the writer's saying this, your attitude about money is the same one your parents had and the same one their parents had. It's a cycle that keeps going on and on. Somewhere along the line, somebody's got to break it. The reason I believe in this is because my father taught me. My father believed if you really want to show your kids that you love them and you're really concerned about their financial viability in the future, the best thing you could do as a parent is to teach them to tithe from the day one. Because the promise of scripture is if you honor God with the first fruits that he will open the windows of heaven and pour out his blessings on you. G. Campbell Morgan reminds us that sacrilege, we usually define it by saying that we take something holy and we use it in a profound fashion. But he said, sacrilege is also taking something that means little or nothing to you and giving that to God. So God speaks to his people and he says, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. Come back to me, come back to me. But they asked, the Bible says, but how are we to return? In other words, God, what area have we disobeyed? We go to the tabernacle, we shout your praises, we enter your gates with thanksgiving. What are you talking about? We've been here all the time. And God says, really? Verse eight, will a man rob God? Did you rob me? How do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And I can just see all the people of Israel hanging their heads. Now, here's what's really interesting. Every time I preach this sermon once a year, (laughs) I like to watch the body language because as soon as I start talking and people realize what the topic is, I see everything. (laughs) And so I see a lot of fathers who are heads of their homes, which they know this is where the example is supposed to come from. They either put their head down and I know what you're praying. Please let it get over. Please let it be over. Please let it be over. (laughs) Because you know your wife's going to talk about it today and you just don't want to hear it again. There are others who just, oh, I can't believe this is all the church. All the church wants is my money. You know my response. Oh, no, you're wrong. We want a lot more than that. (laughs) He wants all of you. So God says to them, I want to bless you. But you're robbing me. So you're shutting the windows of heaven And you can't hide. You can't hide that. I make it a point never to know what people give here. 
because I don't want to treat anybody differently. And I know in your human flesh that I would. If I know you and I came across you and I know you're not giving anything, I just want to give you a little speech. (laughs) I'm just being honest. So it's best that I don't know any of those things. It's best that this is between you and God. And the point of this is not manipulation or coercion anyway. This is about discipleship. This is about God wanting to open the windows of heaven and bless you. You get to decide whether you're going to involve yourself in it or not. I like the story that came out of Port Smith, Rhode Island in 1989. There were a series of vending machines break-ins. So some dude was breaking into vending machines, taking all the quarters. They couldn't catch him. And finally, they got the guy they thought might be it, but didn't have a lot of evidence. So he was out on bond at $400, but when he reached into his knapsack to pay the $400 in quarters, they knew they had the guy. True story. This is something you can't hide from God. So here's here's where we need to be very clear. Here's what the Bible teaches. Quickly, number one, tithe means one-tenth or 10%. It's used 41 times in the Bible. It's not obscure. It's clear, common concept, common understanding, 10%. Two, tithe describes the immediate gift of 10% of your income at your first opportunity. In the Old Testament, Uh, They didn't have the monetary system like we do, so they would bring their tithes in grain, cattle, and money. But in Deuteronomy 14, they were told, if you live too far away from the temple and you don't want to bring all those cattle and sheep in, then just convert them to cash and bring it to the temple at your first opportunity. Now, why was that so important? How many of you have ever done the envelope system? I did it for most of my life. Because for most of my life, we lived right on the edge. Never went without, always had enough. But we had to do the envelope system. That's called accountability. So you put cash in here for entertainment, for house payment, for car payment, for utilities. And then there was the tithe envelope that my dad taught me. Now, here's what I learned about myself. If I didn't give the tithe at the first opportunity, guess what happened at the end of the month? I'm out of entertainment money. (laughs) But there's the tithe envelope. God knows that's how we respond. It's your first opportunity, 10%. Three, tithe is off the top of what you make because God comes first. Proverbs 3, notice the cause and effect. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. There you go. What's the cause? You honor God. What's the effect? Your vats filled, flowing over. Four, tithing is a universal principle. For many of us, we want to find a loophole. Oh, and and I've heard this a thousand times. Oh, that's Old Testament law. First of all, it was never Old Testament law. The Old Testament law had a 22% tax on the nation of Israel to provide for the nation of Israel. The tithe, the 10% was never law. Abraham brought tithes to Melchizedek hundreds of years before Moses or the Mosaic law was written. In fact, all the way back to the book of Genesis, when God created everything, Look at what happened in Genesis 4, 4. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. That tells you two things. Number one, God had already established in the created order, the first fruits principle. It tells you three things, actually. Two, uh, Cain violated it. He brought God what was left over, and he got jealous because Abel did the right thing, so he killed him. And three, it shows you 
that if you're from the South, you are more godly because we eat fat. And it says clearly right here that the fat is the good portion. And like my dad said, we didn't even have cholesterol when we were growing up. And if we had that cholesterol, we had a fried it. <laughs> and so there you go. The point is, your offering to God is not supposed to be an afterthought. It's intentionality. You set it aside, the first top 10% at your first opportunity. Five, tithing is a thermometer of spiritual vitality. This is how you know where your heart is. That's why trying to coerce and manipulate people into doing this is a waste of time. But if you hear a message like this and your heart's been changed for the kingdom of God, then it'll resonate with you. So that's why the best thing to do is simply state it and allow the spirit of God to work in the people who have been called to God. Because if you value the kingdom of God and Jesus' work, your budget's going to reflect that. If you don't, it won't. No shortcut. Six, tithing is the starting place for New Testament giving. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, you hear these two words, tithes and offerings. My father would come up to the communion table at our old church in Tennessee, and when it was time to pray for the offering, he would say, God bless these tithes and offerings. I didn't know what the difference was. But the Bible uses those two things. Well, a man robbed God, verse eight. Yet you robbed me, but you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. What's the difference? Tithes is one-tenth of your total income. Offering is everything you give above and beyond. Got it? So some of you have never given God an offering because you've never given him a tithe. You can't give an offering till you've given a tithe. The tithe is what God has a legal claim to as an external demonstration of what you say you believe that everything comes from God and everything belongs to him. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He founded it upon the seas. He established it upon the waters. So New Testament giving goes beyond the tithe because it's motivated by something else. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Well, let's just read verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. What does that mean? Well, it means that if you don't have a heart to reap a great harvest in the kingdom, this verse means nothing to you. So why would you do it? But if your intention is to reap a great harvest for something greater than yourself, to live your life for a purpose greater than yourself, to expand God's kingdom because you have a heart for those who are far from God to come near to God and you actually believe in eternity and you actually believe that one day Christ will return and his kingdom will be established and it will be unshakable, then there's something that moves in your heart to want to invest something that will last. That's simple. And so that verse speaks volumes to you. Now, some of you might say, well, I've also read 2 Corinthians 9. It says God loves a cheerful giver. Pastor Jeff, that's why I don't give, because I'm not cheerful. <laughs> and my advice to you is this, fake it. <laughs> fake it. If you do it long enough, your emotions will line up. If you just obey long enough, your emotions will finally line up. Or maybe a better phrase would be, faith it. Faith it. Step out in faith. Seven, tithes are to be brought into the storehouse. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. Now in the Old Testament, they brought in the animals and the grains and the crops into the storehouse so that the priests could do the work of ministry. Surely, the application here is for the modern day church. Remember, God establishes Israel as a, a demonstration of how God will work with his people. And there's grace and faithfulness all through Israel's history until he sends the Messiah. The ultimate representation of grace. So now the church, the body of Christ, we are the people of God. 
And the way God responds to us is a demonstration of how he responds to Israel. And so he expects us now to bring in the first fruits so that we can do the work of ministry and expand Christ's kingdom on the earth. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Pastor Jeff is reminding us that the earth and everything in it belongs to God. Something to remember when we are giving to the church and to others. Uh, I have a friend of mine that said to me, you know, Pastor Jeff, I give, I just don't give to my church. And here's my response to him. Okay, what if everyone at CCV had the same attitude you did about giving? You know, Jesus said a house divided will not stand. So if everybody gives the way you do, we would not be able to do ministry. We'd not be able to do bumper bag. We'd not be able to do God's pantry. We'd not be able to do what we're doing in the local schools with at-risk children. We'd not be able to do any of those things because why? Because everybody gave like you did. The Bible says, bring your tithes into the storehouse and then your offering, you send it wherever you want. Now that's where my job comes in next week. I'm trying to motivate you to even bring your offering, but that's entirely up to you. But the 10%, is mandated by God as first fruits to honor God to bring into the storehouse. Now, here's what I like about this whole passage. The eighth principle, the tithe is the only area in life where God says, try me. (laughs) I love this. Look what he says. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord. You will never find this phrase anywhere else in the entire Bible. God actually looks at you in the eye and says, you and me, one-on-one. Test me. You know what a gauntlet is, right? Uh, uh, We're talking about medieval times when they would wear these protective armored gloves over their hands to protect their hands during sword fights. That was called a gauntlet. So if if you insulted somebody, they would take the gauntlet off and throw down the gauntlet as a challenge to you, you and me one on one. That's the same idea used by God in Malachi 3. God says, okay, that's it. You don't think I see what you make? You don't think I know what my part is? You don't think I know what the tithe is? You don't trust me? You don't think I'm a loving father? I gave you my own son and you don't think I'll love you and you don't think you can trust me to take care of you? And he takes off and he says, that's it. You and me one-on-one, let's get it on. You and me one-on-one. Try me, man. Test me. Just be faithful and see what I will do. Try me in this. You will not lose. And then nine, finally, tithing positions me to receive blessings from God. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So here is the teaching. No tithe, no returning. Windows of heaven are shut. The adverse is true though. Tithe, God opens the windows, releasing free flowing blessings into our lives. That's how it works. It's that simple. Now, God loves you. You're saved by grace through faith. The question is, do you want God involved in this area of your life? And if you do, there is a reaping sowing principle that will not be violated because God will not be mocked. So it's entirely up to you. Now, before the service, I forgot to do something. So we're going to play a little game here. I'm going to give this to you. Not really. Okay. We're going to pretend that's yours. I was supposed to come out before and do this, but let's pretend, let's pretend that's yours. And then I say, does anybody have a hundred dollar bill? And you say, I do. And so you give it to me, but it's, it's yours, okay? And I take the $100 bill and I put it in my back pocket and then I go on with the sermon and I don't say anything about it. And the end of the sermon comes, you're kind of waiting around, but I'm busy over here. 
And then you finally give up and you go home. But you come back thinking next week he'll give me back my money. But you come back next week and I don't mention it again. How long would it be before you think, man, Pastor Jeff's a thief. What a, what a narcissistic, selfish, self-aggrandizing piece of work. And some of the other things. <laughs> now, the reason you're struggling is because I have your money. It doesn't belong to me. What if, though, I did take it out of my pocket and I said, here, have the money back. And you said, I'll tell you what, Pastor Jeff, just give me $10 back. You can keep the 100 And I said, no, I want it all. You'd still think I was a punk, wouldn't you? <laughs> this is what God does. God gives you the 100 And he says, you keep the 90 Just give me the 10 And when you say, no, God says, you don't really believe everything comes from me. So stop saying it. It's a hard one. People say to me all the time, but Pastor Jeff, I can't make it on 90% of my income. Well, here's what you're missing. 90% of your income is all that's yours anyway. The 10% doesn't belong to you. That's why he says, will a man rob God? Ooh, that hurts. Now, let me say something here, just so we make sure we're on the same page. One more time, God loves you. You're saved by grace through faith. I love you. Nobody from this church is ever gonna come knocking on your door asking you how much you give. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> and the thing that bothers me is I know what you're going through because there's so many people who abuse this. I think I read an article a couple of weeks ago on the 10 most wealthy pastors in America. It's embarrassing. Because if a pastor tells his congregation to sacrifice, shouldn't he? So if your pastor's driving around in a BMW and he gets a new one every year and he's got the, one of the largest houses in town, if I were you, when that person gives a sermon on tithing and sacrifice, I would run away as fast as I can. But if you've got a pastor who drives a, a used Jetta Volkswagen <laughs> and his friends laugh at him and he has an old Jeep Cherokee that has over 300,000 miles on it, then I think you're okay. We're okay. Amen. And so I want you to hear my heart that I have never been wealthy. As a matter of fact, I'm in the best shape now that I've ever been. Because most of you know I spent 22 years on the mission field. So I may never be rich. But if I truly am a pastor of my word, then even if I make more money, I would want to position myself to give it away. So, so if you look at this as a... Uh, formula to get God to make you more wealthy, you're missing the point still. The point is you give God what is rightfully his. He will open the windows of heaven and bless you, but he's only doing that because why? He knows you can be trusted to keep investing in what matters. So that's why if you keep giving and he keeps giving, let's say God keeps giving to me. And then all of a sudden, as God gives to me, I'm driving BMWs and I got a couple of Mercedes and I, you see what I mean? That shows you 
that I don't really believe what I told you we should be doing. That I'm taking everything extra I get and I'm getting the nicest of everything rather than investing it back into the kingdom. And so that's my prayer. Why do I do this? Why do I have the finance office just take it out of my paycheck? I never see it. Because I don't trust myself. And because it's the right thing to do. First 10% at your first opportunity. So my first opportunity is the finance department doesn't give it to me. And so they don't. I take 10% off and at the end of the year, I get my statement. And then everything I give throughout the year, I know in my heart is an offering. And I can tell you something I've never been able to outgive God. I've got so many stories I could share with you of people who after I preached the sermon took me up on the challenge and some beautiful things happened. Pastor Phil was telling me a story earlier. Mike Crandall, who was in the first service, told me, Jeff, you're so right. Once we started tithing, two things happened. Peace of mind and God's sovereign control of our finances. And Jeff, we've never been without always having more than we need. This is a principle that you have a chance to test God in. So let me say it one more time. I love you. God loves you. This is between you and him. My job is to tell you what I told you. And now you do with it as you see fit. The only favor I ask is that if you don't practice this principle, please don't complain to God that things aren't going well financially in your life. That's unfair because God is not mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Okay? Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the vision that it has. Thank you for our leadership and for our commitment to serve, to love, and to do the work of ministry. Help us, Father, remind us in whichever way you have to do it that we, we live for something bigger and beyond ourselves. And I am so grateful for the people who get this already. They've been giving sacrificially for so long and have been part of Christ Church of the Valley. We're so grateful. I pray, though, that the people who have still yet not involved themselves in this simple reaping and sowing principle would test you in this, just test you. And say, God, I don't, I don't know if this will work, but I'm gonna step out in faith. I'm gonna faith it. And as I faith it, I'm gonna trust that you will open the windows of heaven and you will supply all my need. I know, Father, we will grow in this. So I pray that you would encourage those to test that they may see your faithfulness in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of cause and effect about reaping what we sow and investing in God first so that we may be blessed for seeking Him first. Join us next time for a new message from Pastor Jeff or to hear more now, search for Jeff Vines at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.